This is everything you want to know about non-clinical careers for physicians. For Third Evolution, I'm your host, Robert Pretty. My focus is on how to help you be successful. And in most of my podcasts, I'm talking about successful activities and, and processes and strategies that you can use to enhance your opportunity and your chances of landing that right, uh, I'll say that right career path on a non-clinical side. Today's a little bit different. Today, we're going to talk about the top 10 ways to blow your job interview. Well, that's true. Today, you know, scoring an actual job interview, that is, rather than working your way through the networking web of contacts and meetings, if you actually applied for a posted job and you have an actual interview, well, that's a fairly rare event for most of my clients. You should feel you've really accomplished something. And much more so than during a networking process, you can find yourself during an interview feeling quite on the spot. While networking represents a series of conversations and meetings to progressively move yourself into an organizational role, a job interview is more often a binary event. You're either hired or you're not, or you make the cut to the next level or not. Regardless, it's never a maybe. So what can you do to blow this big interview opportunity? Well, really, it's a bottomless barrel of things you could say or do, but I'm going to focus on what I see as the top 10 easiest mistakes you can make. That is, easy things that you may say or do. And I say they're easy because I have so many examples of every one of them. Really, too many examples to even list here. But believe me, it's so very easy to have one of those multiple personality episodes where you're screaming at yourself, no, I didn't just say that. Well, yes, you did. So let's get started, and I'll try to make this an orderly progression that you can follow as an interview might unfold, beginning at the beginning and concluding when, well, it's time to say thank you and walk out the door. So here's the number one way to blow an interview. Don't be on time. If you want to end an opportunity before it even begins, don't bother showing up on time. So let's begin at the beginning of the actual interview itself. Never show up late. I don't care if you have to run six red lights and wipe out a Girl Scout cookie stand because you cut the corner at 60 miles an hour. Be on time. And by on time, I mean 10 to 15 minutes early. Let's be practical. Often, more than one person is being interviewed, and interviews are often stacked in succession. Doing this helps the interviewing person to more easily compare candidates, and interviews are very often somewhat short by intention. If I tell you your interview period is between 1 and 1.30 p.m., you know you have to stay on point. You have to stay focused. Again, organizations structure interviews like this so they force candidates to show how they can or will perform under a certain amount of pressure. So if you're the 30-minute slot between 1 and 1.30 and you show up 10 or even 5 minutes late, you just said several things to the interviewer. One, your time is more important than hers. Two, under pressure, that is, for a very important meeting, <laughs> you may just not show up. And three, you're not very good at establishing priorities, unless, that is, the job is simply not a priority to you. My advice has always been this. Arrive 15 minutes early, but don't go to the actual meeting location or office for a few minutes. Get the feel of the place, of the people. Take some deep breaths and gain control of not being rushed. Then, Allow a few minutes for walking time and step through the door five to seven minutes before your interview. Now you're comfortably early, but not too early as to leave yourself appearing typically uncomfortable as we so often do during a long 10 to 15 minute wait. 
Number two, don't worry about being dismissive or disrespectful to the reception staff. After all, they have nothing to do with your job, right? Actually, how you treat everyone will likely be remembered, and you really have no idea how much influence that administrative assistant has over his boss's decisions. So what do I mean by respect? Well, first, don't be overly familiar. Don't appear at someone's name badge and smiling say, well, hello, Jim, how are you doing today? Introduce yourself in a professional manner. State that you're the 1 p.m. meeting with Mrs. Such and Such and allow that person to greet you. If they say, that's fine, sit over there, let it go at that. If they say, well, I'm Jim Smith, Mrs. Such-and-Such's assistant, say, well, thank you, Mr. Smith. It's nice to meet you. Call them Mr. or Ms. by their last names until or unless they ask you to use their first name. Familiarity breeds contempt was the constant saying of one of my old bosses. He rarely called me anything other than Mr. Pretty, and I never, ever called him anything other than Mr. I know and recognize that every day we become a little bit less formal. But if you begin at a business formal level, you can always become less so. The inverse, well, I'm afraid that's not so true. Think about it. It's pretty uncomfortable to find the person you referred to as Jim responding to you by saying, uh, please call me Mr. Smith. This is a bit of an extreme example, but I'm certain you'll get the point. I was attending a government reception in another country. At the urging of the event organizer, I'd brought several guests with me. As we were going through the receiving line and meeting the dignitaries, one of my guests literally grabbed the prime minister of the country and gave him a big kiss and thanked him for inviting her to a reception. Fortunately, he waved off his security detail, but he very curtly pushed her back and flatly said, it's Mr. Prime Minister. Well, her embarrassment was shared by absolutely everyone within earshot. Yes, familiarity does breed contempt. Number three, don't worry about appearances, just dress comfortably. Well, you know, I recall one of my last corporate interviews. The gentleman conducting the interview shared with me that he had told the lady at the front desk he was expecting a guest that day and to keep an eye out for me. She said, well, how am I supposed to recognize this person? He said, don't worry, he's going to be the only person who walks through the door wearing a suit and tie today. He was right. I was the only one with a suit and tie, and frankly, I was glad I did because I got the job. And interestingly, as I've already noted, there were two of us interviewing in succession. I was the second interview. The first was a lady who was, well, I saw her leave, and she was a bit disheveled and dressed pretty ordinary. Like maybe she had just realized she needed to fill up her gas tank or do a fast trip to the store for a gallon of milk. Regardless, I don't know if my suit actually helped me get the job, but it certainly didn't hurt. Dressing down isn't just about how we speak and interact with one another today. It's how we actually dress and groom ourselves as well. My constant admonition to my children as they emerged toward more adult interactions was simply this. There is no such thing as being overdressed. I still believe that. So regardless of what you've been told about a casual work environment or that if it's a nice day, we'll just hold the interview outside, dress at your very best. Number four, learn to overreact to minor issues. You know, it's easy to turn little things into big things if we really, really try hard. You know, I had a client once who was having an interview over lunch with several executives. He appropriately ordered a salad, more on that later, but he managed to spill just a bit of oil on his jacket. Well, he could have just left it and made an attempt to cover it a bit with his arm. It wasn't that noticeable, and everything would have been fine. However, he elected to exclaim to the group that he'd spilled oil 
and he had to excuse himself to the men's room. There he doused the jack with water, which only spread the oil into a much larger and much more obvious wet spot. Now, a nothing had been turned into a something. He was already nervous, and now he felt compelled to defend his actions, which only brought more attention to a very minor event. A minor event that now overshadowed the interview, and an interview for a job he was not offered. Now back to the salad that he ordered. First, never go to a lunch or dinner or breakfast meeting hungry. I always eat a power bar or something like that before going into a meeting over a meal where I know I'm going to be expected to participate heavily in the conversation and never order anything you would have to eat with your hands. Oh, and about my client and the oil on his suit, my rule is also this, never wear a light-colored suit. Black or navy blue, well, they're going to hide almost any minor spill or smudge. Number five, just go with your gut. Wing it. No reason to overprepare, right? Well, let me define unprepared. Unprepared is not having hard copy of your resume. Unprepared is not having a digital copy of your resume on a flash drive. Unprepared is not having paper and pen to take notes. Unprepared is not being familiar with the job description. Unprepared is not knowing the names of the key players in the company. Unprepared is not having conducted a thorough review of important issues presented on the company website. Unprepared is not having conducted a good Google search about the company. Let me tell you a quick story here. A client of mine was going into an interview. He did a Google search and found a story about an ongoing court case involving the company that directly affected the business division where he would be working. During the interview, he stated that he was following that case and asked how it was developing and what involvement he might have in helping the company resolve it successfully. That piece of knowledge and insight became a major focus of the interview after that, and he was offered the job. Unprepared is not having good questions about the company and or the job. And lastly, unprepared is not having a stump speech. Number six, take over the interview as soon as you possibly can, as soon as you've said hello. You know what I mean. Just launch into a description of why you are the best candidate or why you want the job or that you notice a little leaked picture on the interviewer's desk. Anything to control the conversation. Actually, your job is to learn what the interviewer wants to accomplish and wants to discuss and then help him or her accomplish those goals while positioning yourself as the right choice. It's fine to state how pleased you are to be interviewed and to ask how the interviewer would like to begin. Don't risk going down avenues the interviewer may well see as unimportant, however, avenues that do not serve his or her needs. Now, when I say focus on the interviewer, that doesn't mean you're a passive participant. Actually, I want you to control the interview. This is how. You control the interview by managing your responses to the interviewer. You offer cogent responses that permit the interviewer to either move on with the questioning or to ask for more information. What you're doing is forcing that person to show his or her hand. You're controlling the interview by pushing them to tell you what is most important. And when they tell you what is important by the depth of their questions, you can then focus on those issues rather than taking a shotgun approach of trying to tell them everything about yourself in order to cover all bases. And trust me, you won't have time to do that. And you'll just frustrate the interviewer by talking about issues they frankly deem unimportant. The most frequent first question in every interview is this. Tell me about yourself. 
Your answer to that question is your stump speech. And if you don't have one, as I've said before, you're unprepared. If you have the right one, however, it will be how you frame the conversation around your interests and your attributes, and it will represent a significant first step towards how you will control the interview. Those of you who know me know that a typical stump speech in a general interview setting is defined as who I am, what I've done, what I want to do, and how I can help you. In an interview for a specific job, it's modified just a bit. What I want to do becomes the job expectations for this particular job. You just rephrase those expectations off of the job description along with major responsibilities so that they sound a bit more personal and certainly not verbatim from the published job description. And how I can help you, well, it changes also just a bit and is again taken from the job description. Those things that are stated as primary tasks and activities to be accomplished, those are the things that become how you can help them. And again, rephrased to sound more personal to you. Number seven, dominate, dominate, dominate. Tell your life story. I'm sure you know someone who has said this. I just didn't understand the interviewer. That guy didn't say anything. If I hadn't talked, it would have been 30 minutes of dead air. Well, you don't achieve your objective of controlling the interview by talking. You do that by getting the other person to talk. You want them to tell you what answers they want to hear, and you want them to tell you what success in the job and the company means. What's their definition? Again, your answers have to be cogent, to the point while being complete relative to the actual question. Let the interviewer determine if you have or have not said enough. That is, have you responded as completely as that person wishes. So simply put, you want to talk about 20% of the time and listen about 80%. If you do that, you will have achieved a successful interview. Number eight, be sure to intertwine your political and religious beliefs into the conversation. After all, you really don't want to work in an organization that supports that and bring up a few of today's really hot button issues at the same time. Really, do I even have to say this? Don't wear political clothing pins or anything that could be interpreted in that way. Most organizations, well, they're going to be somewhat of a melting pot. The person you interview with may be of one opinion, but other staff members critical to your success may differ. Never, ever let politics or religion get in your way of being successful. Number nine, talk about anything in order just to show how smart you are. After all, why are you there? Well, that's just the point. Don't forget why you're there. You're not there to show them how smart you are. You're there to get a job. And a job interview is a selling situation. If you pause and ponder for just a few moments, I'm sure you'll see similarities between how you interact with your patients and a high-level sales process. You're in this interview to sell yourself. You're not there to talk about baseball or favorite restaurants. And while you may think you're bonding, if you find you've suddenly digressed for 10 minutes during a 30-minute interview into some personal story, get back on track. I've conducted interviews with people I thought wanted to be my friend more than they wanted to convince me they could do the job. They weren't hired. Certainly, you want to establish a rapport. And certainly, you want to be liked. But that's part of the job. And it's illustrated in the context of how you answer and address job-related questions in the conversation. Don't get sidetracked. 
Number 10, well, don't be afraid to challenge. Okay, really, I mean it. I have had people turn an interview into an argument, and guess what? They've never won. Not if getting a job was their objective. You may be saying to, to yourself, how could that happen, or would I ever get into an argument? But I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen very innocuously, and I've seen it happen because of stubbornness or, in, or intransigence. It can happen easily when you say, this is how I would accomplish a goal, when the interviewer replies, well, that's not how we do it here. Blindly standing your ground, trying to convince the interviewer of the validity of your position, or presenting your past experience, it's just opening the door to an argument. The right answer in that situation is, oh, I understand. How would you see or want this to play out, or be resolved, or be addressed? And assuming you're not being asked or expected to do anything illegal or immoral, then you can conclude again with, I understand, that makes perfect sense, and I can certainly follow that pattern. Don't be stubborn. You know, I was once interviewing a new administrative assistant. The lady was very accomplished, very polished and poised in manner and speech, and I thought a very good contender in my very high-stress, highly professional setting, until we ended the interview. Her last question to me was, when's your current assistant due? I looked at her somewhat quizzically, and I asked, due? What do you mean by due? The lady said, well, she's pregnant. Isn't that why she's leaving? No, was my reply. Neither is she pregnant, nor would that be a reason to leave. The lady insisted that I was wrong and that she'd prove it to me by asking the young lady when she left. Well, the fact was, I did work in a very high-pressure environment, and my current assistant was a bit emotionally fragile and was simply transferring to another less stressful department. No, again, I said, and you cannot ask her that. Well, she just huffed and said, well, let me show you. At that point, I took her by the arm, raised her from the chair, and led her directly out of my office, out of the department, into the elevator where I remained until she left. Never contradict. Never argue. I still look back on that interview and laugh and think to myself, was she crazy? And let's use this example to make one final point. Leave on a positive note. Well, there you have it. My top 10 or maybe 10 and a half ways to completely blow your job interview. It's easy to fall into a trap, but with sound preparation and judicious choice of words, you can just as easily hit a home run. Once again, for Third Evolution, Non-Clinical Careers for Physicians, this is Robert Pretty. For comments about this or any of my podcasts, don't hesitate to contact me at 720-339-3585. For voice message or text, and visit me online at www.thirdevo.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.